Blog Talk Radio. Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing is, it's okay The last thing I need is to be heard But to hear what you would say and their hearts, Father, that they would please you. 
Father, I would just ask that you would anoint my lip tonight and speak through me, not my word, but the words you would say, because it's not my servants, it's all yours. And I ask you to anoint me, Father. And, Lord, I know your word is already anointed, and it will go forth, and it will achieve the purpose that you sent it forth to. It will not come back void. So, Father, tonight I just ask for, for anybody listening that's not saved, they will be saved. Anybody that's sick will be healed. Anybody that's addicted or needs delivered from anything, Father, would be delivered in the name of Jesus. So, Father, Lord, I just ask you to release your anointing now in these airwaves, now at this very hour, and also in the future for those that will listen to this message, that that anointing would be there to set them free. Because, Lord, you tell us in your word, we shall know the truth, and the truth that we know will make us free. So let your truth reign through these airwaves tonight, through this, this program, in the name of Jesus. And everything that's accomplished will give you all the glory and all the praise for it. In Jesus' name we ask. And they all said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Well, praise God. This is a privilege to bring forth God's Word. It's always a privilege. I, I enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it because God's Word is life, health and life, life and light in this dark world. Light. It's light. Tonight, I have a message that's called, Be a Here and a Doer. We're to not just be a here, but we're also to be a doer. Now, I'm going to read three scriptures to you. I could quote them to you, but I'm going to read them to you. And the first one's found in Romans 10, 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing God's word. God's word, that's faith, faith in God. It comes by hearing. Now, hearing means not just to be a listener to it, but to hear it in your spirit, man, or your heart. When we hear it in our spirit, man, and our heart, then we have to make that decision. We want to do something with that word, you see, because until we do something with that word, we heard it, okay? We heard it in our heart, but we have to apply it to our lives that we can get the result from what that word says, you see. It must be applied to our lives, before the word will do us any good, you see. We must take it. We must partake of it. It's like when we go to the table uh, to eat. We partake of the food there from our plate. We eat it. We put it in our mouth and it goes to our stomach. We need to partake of the word of God. We need to eat, devour the word of God, and partake of God's word. Okay? God's word is where faith comes from. It, it begins always in the word of God because we have faith. But faith in what? God's word. God's word is truth. The Bible says all the promises are yes and amen. Okay. Second verse is James one twenty two. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Okay. We aren't just to hear that word, but we are to apply it to our lives, right? And if we don't, we're deceiving ourselves, it says. Now, a lot of people... Sometimes think because they know the word, they quote it, their church believes this, we believe that, we see amen when the pastor uh, preaches it and says that word, and we talk over with other Christians, oh, yeah, we believe it, that, that uh, be do as the word, or otherwise we deceive ourselves. We speak these words, but do we actually apply them to our lives, you see? In other words, we think because we know these words, we, they're, what our doctrine is and what we think it is and everything about it, we think it justifies us. But we aren't justified in what we know. 
we aren't justified in what we think, what we, we believe, but it's in the doing we're justified. Faith is dead without works, you see. Work is the application to where our faith is. We will do the works if we have faith in whatever it is, you see. If works don't follow our so-called faith, we don't have faith, you see. It's in the doing, because faith really is an action word. It's in the doing. We're a verb, an action word, a doing, you see. Okay? James 4.17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We all basically believe, which we need to, that we need to uh, uh, do good or the right thing or do what the Word tells us, don't we? We that study and know the Bible, and as we learn and we grow in the things of the Bible, we know that we're to do those, don't we? Now, if we know we're to do them and we don't apply them to our lives, what does that say? If we do it not, to him it is sin. In other words, if I'm told to uh, live a certain way, if I'm told to have no unforgiveness in my heart, to love those that persecute me, if I'm to have patience, if I'm to be kind, if I'm to uh, be faithful in all that I do, I'm supposed to be a doer, aren't I? I'm supposed to do those things. And if I know to do them and I purposely just don't do them or I just say, well, hey, I, this is too hard for me. I just can't do this. When we don't apply it, it's actually sin in our lives, you see. We don't pick and choose. That's why the more you know, the more you're held accountable. The more or the higher position that God places you in, the greater duties, the more accountability you have because we aren't just to know these things, but we're to live these things and to help others to walk in these things and being accountable for it, you see. We're accountable for what we know, you see. And that's why if you want to know a lot, if you want to grow and be a mighty man or mighty woman of God, there is accountability there and there's great responsibility and responsibility you and I cannot fulfill other than by the empowerment and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't fulfill the Word of God in our life and our own strength. It must be through the Holy Spirit and how we live and how we, we uh, serve others, you see. We need His help. We need His ability to do that, you see. It's not by power and might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Okay, I'm going to read uh, uh, some scripture here. Uh, these three verses, the reason I read these three verses, they're very common verses that we all have heard. We've all read those and studied them and can quote them. But these three verses are going to be really where everything else I'm going to talk about tonight hinges upon. And you'll see what I mean as I go along here. I'm going to read Haggai uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read those seven verses in the book of Haggai. I'll give you a little time to find that. It's a little hard to find. It's a, he's a minor prophet in the Old Testament, towards the end of the Old Testament. Uh, before, while you all are looking for that, I do want to say this. And what we'll be discussing the subject right here tonight, you can look back to the three verses I just read to you, and they, they are the ones that really hold us accountable and tell us what to do and how to do it and uh, gives us no excuse for what we don't do, you see. And we're going we're gonna to speak what that is. We're going to get really to the heart of this right after I read these uh, seven verses right here in the book of Haggai. Okay, Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shetaniel, governor of Judah, 
and to Joshua, the son of Hosadek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time has come, is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. To, enough. You drink, and are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. In other words, give attention attention to your ways, what you're doing, how you're living your life. Give attention to your ways. Okay, the theme or the heart of this message tonight is, I've looked around and seen over many years people, talked with many people, been around many people, of course, and I see in the, in the church world or the body of Christ, many people would have knowledge of things, discuss things, and you can say things to them. And they say, oh, I know that. I heard that. Yes, I know that. But let me let me ask you a question. I can take a verse or I can take something in the Scripture. And I could, something very simple. Did you lead a soul to Christ? Oh, I know that we're the lead souls of Christ. I know that, you'll say. I'll ask you, do you ever lead a soul to Christ personally? Well, I I I uh, know that I know that, but no, I never did. You don't really know it. You believe it. You believe you are to do it. You believe it's the right thing to do, but you don't know it until you apply it or experience it. You see, you don't know anything until you're in the doing. You see, in the doing, the experiencing is where the doing comes in. Otherwise, I believe it. I have a head knowledge of it. I believe it. I give uh, honor to it, but I don't know it until I do it. And then I see what happens. Hey, the Bible says I can lead a soul to Christ. and says about being saved and what it is. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I led this soul to Christ. And he's a new or she's a new creature. You see it actually happen, you see. But until you experience those things, you just believe them. But it's in the knowing is where it really counts, you see, which you can't know until you're a doer, you see. And that's why we're, what we're going to talk about tonight a little bit. Uh, we know a lot, okay? We have a lot of knowledge what are we doing? Are we seeing fruit from it, you see? And that's what the disturbing thing is, you see. Many people know a lot here in the United States. As a matter of fact, let me give you a, a little example here before we get into it. Uh, overseas, I've dealt over there on the, uh, on the uh, programs, on the uh, Internet and things like that, held services over there in different uh, countries. And uh, I see them responding, receiving healings, deliverance, coming to Christ, quicker than I do here in the United States. And I've heard that from a lot of missionaries. I know I heard a lot from other men, women of God saying that same thing. Because many of the people are hungry overseas for that. They're hungry for the word. They 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 maybe they don't know or they have the knowledge of it, but they hear that word, they receive it. But here in the United States, too many people, they could have been thirty, forty years being saved and they've heard it for years and years and years, but they've never really put it into practice. There's many midgets that have been saved 40 years, we'll say, we'll call them midgets in growth, that have not really grown. They stayed pretty much the same in 30, 40 years of serving the Lord. 
And time doesn't make any difference to how long you've known the Lord. It's what you've accomplished in that time by following the Lord. Because if you and I are truly following the Lord, we're going to have fruit, aren't we? Okay, now, why don't we put the practice what we know? Why do we say we, we know this, we know this, when we don't actually know it, we believe it, but we know it, but we've never done it? We're challenged, we're asked the question, well, did you ever do this? To, how about this verse here? Did you ever pray for a sick person to get healed? Did you ever cast out a devil? Uh, anything like that, you see. Get a person delivered from something, whatever, saved, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit, any type of thing. Did you ever do that? Why, no, but I know we're supposed to do that. Or I'll get the pastor to do that. Or I'll get brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so to do that. But, oh, no, I never did it. You see, I know that, but uh, uh, I've never done it. Well, see, it's time we get away from that there and recognize that, hey, you're not just to be a hearer, but you're to do that word. You're called to do things also. You have a calling on your life because we are all called to be doers of the word. The Bible doesn't pull any specific people out and say, well, uh, just the fivefold ministry does that, then the lay people do this, and then the men do this, the women do that. No. The Bible is a whosoever book. Whosoever will apply my word will receive the fruit and results of it, you say. Now, why, why don't we take the word that we know, and why don't we apply it to our lives? Why, why don't we put it into practice? Well, one big reason right here is because it would interfere sometimes with our personal gain. Maybe we're a business person, and if we would demonstrate uh, certain things as a Christian, it might turn people off, and if we have a business of some sort, we might lose them as customers and lose a lot of money. Now, let's take a pastor. Why sometimes doesn't a pastor preach and teach what they should do in a hard in line that uh, they should do with the people? Why doesn't he spell it out and demonstrate it? Well, he might know a few people in his audience there that are big givers, tithers, and, and give a lot of money. And if they would hear this, they wouldn't like it because he knows they're against that. And they don't believe in it. and They don't stand for it. And therefore, he holds back from preaching, even though he supposed to preach it, but he holds back because he doesn't want to have these people leave his church, and therefore he'd be out of a lot of money for the church, you see. So for personal gain, a lot of times we don't apply the scriptures and don't obey them. We don't put them into practice because it can hurt our lives in the sense of, of money or maybe a job or relationships or whatever because of others, you see. It hurts us personally, personal loss, you see. We don't want to lose, you see. Uh, and that, that's the thing with it, you know, personal gain. We want to maintain personal gain, you see. And sometimes the Bible does break that up. But, see, that's where the choice comes in. Am I going to do what the Word tells me? Or am I going to play it safe and just do what I need to do to please that person? But I'll tell you something. When you try to please people and go against the Word of God, compromise His Word and stand back, first of all, as we read that verse up there in James 4.17, it tells us it's sin if we know to do good. But the thing is, you try to please somebody by compromising, it's going to come back to bite you because you can't continue to please people. Something's going to go wrong because God is not pleased with that, and something's just going to come out of kilter, and you're going to lose it anyhow. A lot of times what you compromise to gain, you wind up losing and losing a lot more. And the biggest thing is you lose a relationship with God. You don't have the power of God in your life. You don't have that relationship with God. You don't have that desire in your heart anymore, you see. You're losing out displeasing God, 
and you're losing what you thought you were gaining by compromising to, to gain, you see, to maintain and to keep what you personally have, especially in the financial realm or the fame realm or what have you. So for personal gain, many times people will compromise and not obey and do it. They'll just be hearers or listening to it, but they won't put it into their life and practice it, you see. That's a biggie right there, a big one. Okay, the next reason. Okay, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. And uh, I'm going to read this. You don't have to look it up. You can write it down and look it up a little bit later. I, I, I don't have a lot of time to do all that. But just uh, write the scripture down in Habakkuk, yeah, Hebrews 4.2. And by reading, writing that down, you can look it up later, but I'm going to read it to you now anyhow. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Okay, we see the next one, next reason is unbelief. Remember, Jesus couldn't do much in his own hometown because of unbelief, right? Now, they all heard the gospel, just like here it speaks. They've heard the gospel preached, but unto them, they heard the word preached, but it didn't profit them. They heard it like we heard it. Why didn't it profit them? They did not apply faith with it that heard it. Faith was actually stepping out and putting it into their life. That's what faith is. Faith isn't just a mental assent. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the Bible tells us, right? Okay? We have to recognize if we are applying faith into that, that means we're going to do something, right? Be a doer of the word, not just hearers, but doers. Faith is doing. Faith is an action word. It's putting it into practice. Faith is dead without works, right? So there you go. They did not apply it. They heard it. But they didn't mix it with faith. They said, well, we hear this, and we agree with you. That's good and everything. Yeah, that's, that's God's work. We're, we just can't do it. We're just not going to do it, you see. And that's essentially what we say. People wouldn't want to own up to that or admit that, but in, in their actions, it demonstrates that when you don't do it. When you don't apply what the Scripture says, it demonstrates unbelief right there. You're not, uh, you just don't want to do it because you don't simply believe it the way it is right there. You have a, a mental assent. But if you really believed it in your heart, you would say, I want to partake of that. I want to put that into my life. So it was unbelief, you see. All right. The next thing, Mark chapter 7, verse 13. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such things that you do. Okay. Through our traditions, traditions of men, if we follow the traditions of maybe grandma, grandpa, or whoever, that can be anti-scriptural. It can be contrary to the scripture. And many people from other countries now have experienced that recently. Uh, they have different things and different belief systems. Now, that's fine if their belief system doesn't go against the word of God, but any belief system, any tradition, whether it's our tradition here in the United States, by us, our families, or people in another country, or whatever, uh, when it comes to the Word of God, we cannot put traditions over the Word of God. The choice comes that we must make that choice. If our traditions and our family and our heritage is a certain tradition, and that's a wrong tradition, we must turn away from that tradition and turn to God if we want to please God. I'll give you a good example of that. Remember the Jews back in the day, whenever Jesus was on this earth, they had to deny the Jewish faith to come to Jesus. They actually were shunned by leaving the families because they didn't believe in Jesus being the Son of God. And therefore, they were shunned, and they were 
They had to leave the families, you might as well say. They were no longer appreciated. They were no longer accepted. And that's what it costs for. Now, this is a tough thing. We say family heritage. Uh, you know, a lot of times people are so caught up in that. And I know it's not an easy thing, but you have to come to a place in your life recognizing with God, and I'm going to just say it like it is. You either choose to do the wrong thing because of the family putting them first, or you choose to do the right thing with God putting him first. And God says, you must put me first, doesn't he? And he says, if to serve me, you must hate mother, father, brother, and sister. Now, I, I heard that scripture. I read that scripture. And I thought, well, what does that mean? You know, we're not to hate. We're not to hate our family. I looked that up, and it actually means hate. But now, Jesus doesn't want us to hate our family, but he's so emphatic about that that there can be nothing between us and him and our family or anything or anybody. He will tolerate nothing above him. He has, God has zero mercy, grace, or tolerance to us in the realm of putting anything ahead of him, you see. There'll be no idols before him. There'll be no family heritage, traditions of men, because it makes his word of no effect. So it must be him all the way. God is a jealous God. He's a God that demands our full attention, not 99%, but our full attention. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But the condition is to seek and put him first in our lives and all that we do, the way we live, what we do, how we do it, and everything. It's, it's a uh, compass of life, really. I call the Word of God as our compass of life, of how we deliver life. Every aspect of it, 168 hours a week, 24-7, it's how we live our life. It's not just a Sunday, Wednesday thing or just a few times when we want to, but all decisions we make, how we live our life, how we respond, what we do, everything is hinged on what does Jesus say about it. What's the Word of God say? And we must live that way. That's not an option. Well, you can live another way if you want to. But we give an account of we're accountable for what we live. We're given freedom. We God has given us a free will. But how we live in that free will, we will give a accountability on it. Second Corinthians uh ten five yeah, uh second Corinthians ten uh five ten rather, it says that we will give an account of the body of Christ, what we did good and bad in our body. So if we're a Christian, we go uh to heaven, we're raptured. Uh, during a seven-year tribulation, the first thing that's going to happen, we're raptured up. We have to give the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to give an account what we did good and bad in our bodies. Second Corinthians tells us that, you see. And uh, we have to recognize that, and we need to give an account, so we want to make sure the account we are given is the right account, not the account that we gave into uh, what our family tradition was or what uh, people said that we put them ahead of God, because that, will, that just won't work. That doesn't work. Okay, the next thing, read uh, Hosea 4.6. Go to Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. Okay, another reason we don't, do what we're supposed to do, that we don't obey, we don't put it into practice, is lack of knowledge. We don't understand. We have lack of knowledge, you see. We don't uh, get in the Word. We don't study. We don't know the Word of God. So, therefore, we do what seems to be right. And there, the way that seemeth right unto man leads to destruction. The way that seemeth right leads to destruction, the Bible says. And we don't 
think what is right. We don't make our own rules or laws. We need to know what does God say about it, you see. So lack of knowledge causes us to err. My people are destroyed. We're destroyed by the devil many times because of lack of knowledge because the devil will take advantage of you and me if we don't know the word of God. He will. Uh, some people believe that the uh, Lord, Lord's making me sick or he caused me to be sick because that's his will. He wants to show me something. That's a doctrine of devils right there. That's not true. God never uses sickness to show you anything. He can show you sickness in, in any sickness that comes your way that you're dealing with to be healed. He can show you something, but he did not bring that on you because it should have no part in your life. He didn't want sickness in your body, you see. But my people destroy the noise. Some people will be of that lie. Some people believe that God doesn't want you to have anything. He wants you to be poor. He didn't want you to have any money. Money's bad. No. Love of money is the root of all evil. But what's first in your life is how you judge things. Things in themselves aren't bad. A lot of money is not bad. It's good because the more money you have, the more money you can send to the gospel, helping people out if you use it that way. It wouldn't call for you to hoard it on yourself, you see. But the more you give, you can establish his covenant, you see, like it says in his word, Deuteronomy 8.18. Okay? Another thing, when it comes to uh, lack of knowledge, uh, we have wrong belief system we think some people think well i can do pretty much what i want to do i'm still okay with god and that's wrong they believe well hey i can uh, hold odds against my neighbor have unforgiveness towards somebody i can do this i can do that it doesn't matter but yet the word of god says we have to forgive or not we're not forgiven the lord's prayer he speaks of forgive us our trespasses we give those forgive those that trespass against us Forgive us our trespasses, we forgive us the trespass against us. So I'm forgiven as I forgive others. If I'm not a forgiving man, I'm not forgiven. And also Jesus said in Mark 11, 25 and 6, he said, when you stand praying, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father forgive you. So if I don't forgive somebody, I can't be forgiven myself till I forgive that person. But yet it's a commonplace thing, and a lot of people would accept it in the church world and live that way that they have odds maybe against the pastor or the other man in the church or lady, the pastor's wife, the pastor's children. But we can't have those attitudes. We have to be rid ourselves of those attitudes because these are lies and our lack of knowledge of what the consequences are can mess us up, people. It can mess us up because we, if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. But how many times have people considered that? Because if you go into a lot of churches, a lot of people would say to you, they'd say, well, hey, so-and-so, I don't like so-and-so there because he did this. Oh, she's no good. I don't like her, blah, 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 blah. Hey, with that type of a thing right there, they're not rapture ready. They're not rapture ready. But these are things that the church world has kind of watered down, things that they haven't taken seriously. Why? Because of lack of knowledge. But if you knew the seriousness of it, recognized with these attitudes, you are not going to be forgiven. You're going to wind up in hell. Unless you get that thing right, you're going to be a lot more serious about it, right? My people are destroyed for lack of noise on this earth and also for eternity if we don't learn and grow in these things and take these things more serious. I'm not holding back on things, folks, because God has laid this on my heart, and I know not just my heart but many other ministers I know, it's a time when we don't mess around anymore. We have to tell it like it is, you see, because whenever... The Lord comes back. He's coming back to, like it is, like we're preaching now. That's what he's coming back for. People would have it together. People who don't are not going to go into rapture. It's really that simple. And I, I believe, and I hate to say this, 
But I, I know with my spirit and my heart, there's a lot of people that are sitting in the church that when the rapture takes place, they're going to still be sitting there because a lot of churches do not have it, it right in their hearts of people. They just have had lack of knowledge and lack of putting things into practice, and they're going to be held accountable for it. So that's why I'm teaching on this right here, that we all come to the place and maintain that place that we're all rapture ready. Okay, the other thing, Colossians 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. False teaching, you know, there's a lot of people who are teaching about money. In other words, money is good in its place, you see. He wants us to have money. He wants us to prosper for the purpose of furthering the gospel. He wants to bless us. He wants to enjoy the good things of life. But he wants us to use that as we are a conduit that we help others. You see, people, ministry, all over, uh, missionaries, you name it. Uh, people need money in the ministry. There's so much needed. I see it's a tremendous need for people to get out there, get the gospel, building uh, homes for people, all types of things. The Jewish people coming back to Israel, building things, making things for them, setting things up. Uh, it's an unbelievable amount of money that's needed. It's, a, it's probably trillions of dollars if you really get it down to it for what it is to really get things the way they should be. But God wants to prosper us so we can be a help to that, to get these things done. Now, uh, this false teaching, another thing, the enemy uses false teaching to get people sometimes money-minded to get you to think about money, it's all about money, a nice new car, a nice new home, and things like that. And it's all about things, about stuff. Well, I want to tell you something that will kind of thin this out a little bit and give you a little more understanding. Any teaching that takes you away from Jesus Christ, that draws you away, causes your affection to go another direction, is not right. You better watch that. You better watch that. Because there's a song that casts your eye upon Jesus. When your eyes those are on him, the things of the world go strangely dim. And I have known that and experienced that. The closer I walk with God, the less interest I have on the rudiments of this world. So people are trying to teach you about the rudiments of this world and philosophies and do certain things and you'll have this, do that. and But it's not taking to Jesus. So judge it for yourself. Is it really taking you to Jesus, developing your walk with Jesus Christ? Or is it getting you to another area that you're just being derailed, sort of, you see, led away, distracted? It's a form of distraction is what it is, a form of distraction and getting you on the, off the track onto the wrong track. Because, see, the devil, he tries to, first of all, discourage, distract, or deceive, you see. That's how he comes at you. He, first of all, tries to discourage you. If that doesn't work... I'll distract him. If that doesn't work, I'll send somebody in here. We'll deceive this person, you see. And that's how he works. That's his little tricks. But what the, what happens with the things you're doing when it comes to your relationship to God? That That's a good barometer to measure that. I, I never really thought of saying that. I never said that in it. says, I ministered this, but this is coming up. God is saying these words through me, to you, and to, to all of us right here. But you must measure what to do with you and Jesus. What does it do in your relationship with God? If it takes you away, get away from it. Get away from it. If it takes you closer to God, then fine. We'll always pray about it, of course. But what does it do for your spiritual walk? And that will show you very quickly. Is this thing, philosophy, leading you away from God like Colossians 2.8 says? Or is this thing from God?
that's a good barometer to check there. Check check what happened. That's like people. When you're around certain people, they call you, you spend time with them. How do you leave after you're around that person, after you talk to them, wherever it is, face-to-face or the phone or whatever? Are you lifted up? Or are you downtrodden? Are you miserable? Are you beat up? Well, there's another good answer for you right there. If you feel down and struggling and just pulling from you, you need to get away from that person. You see, there's, there's people around that we don't really think about, but if they are pulling from us, why in the world are we staying there and having our lives pulled away from instead of being helped, you see? Why do we want to be around people who hurt us instead of help us? So we have to be careful of the company we keep by putting, throwing that in there. That's another little nugget uh, that I said right there, because you have to judge what are these people doing for my relationship to God. What are they doing? What am I sensing? Am I lifted up or am I downtrodden? Am I struggling? Am I having battles because being around these people is something that isn't right? Well, you need to really take that to the Lord and consider that because you don't want to be around people who pull you down. You want to be around people who are uplifting and lift you up and love the Lord, follow him, pray for you, encourage you, and be honest with you to help you, you see. The Bible tells us that iron sharpens iron, and we need to have people around us like that to help us, to watch out for us, and things like that. Not people are just going to pull us down or take us away from God. Okay, the next thing, Proverbs 10.4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Okay? Okay? Another thing, it's very simple. I won't go into great detail. The Bible says in Second Thessalonians 3.10, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Also, we can be a sluggard or lazy when it comes to things of God that we don't look up things. We want to hear just what the pastor says or a friend or somebody else always asking them questions, but never getting into the word ourselves. And these people are the ones many times that are deceived, deceived for the simple reason they never come to the place of knowing it for themselves. You cannot be fully persuaded and convinced by the word of God or be convicted by the word of God by listening to just what others say about it. God wants to talk to you personally about it. If he talks to them personally, he wants to talk to you personally too. So we need to desire the things of God by getting in it for ourselves and not being lazy, giving time to God. But most people want to be fed fish or fish, like you say, but they don't want to be taught how to fish. I can give people fish, but then I teach them how to fish. And that's what I do with the many people that I have as spiritual sons or daughters. I... What I do, I, I help them in things, but then I soon tell them, too, they need to look this up, look that up, or whatever it is to get into it themselves, because they'll never be fully persuaded if they listen to somebody else. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is our only teacher, and we only need him to teach us. Now, you might say, well, hey, doesn't the fivefold ministry, isn't they, aren't they to do that? Yes, they are, but we're talking about the final test right there. In other words, I teach uh, as a minister. I teach in, uh, all over and everything minister. But my word isn't the final word. The final word is the Holy Spirit with you. It's you and the Holy Spirit. Those that are listening now, I'm speaking the word, but the Holy Spirit is your teacher final from what I'm saying to you now. He's the one that says, now, what Ed said there? Okay, yes, do that. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. He's who instructs you for what you're to do, not me. I state the word, but you're getting the final thing. You're getting the word right from the Lord himself by the power of the Holy Spirit, you see. So 
you need to spend some time with him and seek, you see, put a little bit of elbow grease in that by praying and looking it up, reading, meditating on it, thinking about it. You've got you to delve into it, folks, but a lazy person doesn't. So what's happened to, what happens to a lazy person if they don't uh, work? Well, they don't eat, right? What happens to a lazy person if they don't get in the Word? They're deceived or they just don't go anywhere. They don't learn anything. Nothing happens, you see. It's what we put into it's what we get out of it. Matter of fact, that was kind of a bad way to say it because what we put into it, God multiplies back to us. But we got to give him something to work with, and that giving something to work with is us putting some time into the Word, reading the Word, praying about it, applying the Word to our lives because everything we read, we need to say, Lord, help me to apply this to my life and what we learn and grow, put into your life, work it out. He says uh, we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, you see. We're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what that simply means is taking the Bible and making that work in our lives. And that's where the battle comes in. That's the only battle that you and I fight is making the Word of God a reality in our lives because that's where everything breaks loose. Our flesh, what we want, our wills, that's where the devil comes in. That's where people come in when you go to apply and make the living word part of your life, not just what you know in your head, what you can quote, but what you have in your heart and what you live. In other words, I don't just preach the word. I live what I preach. That's where. That's what really counts, you see. That's what we're talking about here. So you can't be lazy and have that because Paul said he was fully persuaded, didn't he? But you can't be fully persuaded unless you know it for yourself. I can tell you the truth and how I've been fully persuaded and what God has done with me, all these great things, but it's better felt than telt, like the old saying, right? So you must experience it, you see. You don't believe, you believe things, but you don't know them until they become a reality to you. Then you know it, you see. You can't tell things about people unless you're in their shoes walking there too and that's the way it is with the things of god you don't know you you don't really know it until you apply it and you experience it experiential knowledge experiential knowledge is applying it to your life you think all right another thing second timothy two fifteen: study to show yourself approved a workman to god that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly by in the word of truth. Okay, you get in the Bible, get in the word of God. First of all, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand that word. All right, the word that you read, make sure when you read something, it's in the context of what it is. Know what the setting is, like was it in, like Paul was in jail, were they in town, Where what, what was the setting of this thing, where were they at? Okay, after you have the setting, you have to read the previous verses and verses afterwards to get the context. All right, after you get the context of, of what the verse was, it needs to match up with some other things in the Bible. In other words, in line with the Bible, it's not just one thing there, because the Bible does say out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. And what happens is, as you study the Bible, you'll learn it's in perfect continuity from the Old Testament through the New Testament because the Old Testament is just a shadow of what's to come in the New Testament, you see. It's a shadow of what's to come in the New Testament. So it's in continuity, and you learn as the more you grow and learn in the Bible, as you spend time in the Bible. You learn a lot in the Old Testament and the New, and you'll find how you can put them together, you see, as you study and grow. But we study to show ourselves approved. Okay? Approved means approved of God. 
but really approved of ourselves because how can you be much of a witness to God or can you do much for the Lord if you don't know what he wants, what his word says, how to be, what to do, what you have, what you do, what you're not to do. There's all kinds of things in there that we learn. And then he speaks to us through that word, you see. He speaks to us through that word. And we need to be in there to do it. That we have to study to show ourselves approved. And he even says in Joshua 1, eight that we're to meditate upon that word. And as we meditate upon that word uh, and we apply it to our lives, then we have good success. As we meditate and apply it to our lives, he said, then you make your way successful. So taking the word, learning it, growing in it, and apply it to our lives, things happen. That's when God becomes more, more real to you and I, when we take that word and we make it part of our life. That's why, how he shows himself to us, because he shows himself to us through his word. So how, how is he going to show himself to us if we're not in that word, you see? If we don't understand it, we don't know it. We won't know anything at all when it does happen, because we learn by the word of God. So get in that word, study. Study to show yourself approved. And that way you can not be ashamed of what you live and how you live unto the Lord and for the Lord because you know you're pleasing him. You know, hey, the way I'm living, I'm pleasing God. So whether this person likes it or who likes it or who doesn't like it, it doesn't matter. You won't be concerned what people think or what people say if you are really into that word and understand the word because you say, hey, if God is for me, who can be against me? Now, I can tell you that now, but uh, you can say, uh, if God be for me, who can be against me? But it's not in your heart to say that if you don't have the revelation of it, you see. It's easy for me to say that. I have the revelation of it, okay? But there's probably many people listening right now say, if God be for me, who can be against me? You don't understand the depth of the understanding of that, which is, is really uh, shown, too, is, is you study the Word of God, of why you believe and, and stand on certain things, and you're able to stand without backing off of it, you see. People that are not fully grounded are like a parable of the sower. Uh, they're sowed in a shallow part of the ground, and the first uh, gust of rain or wind comes, they're uprooted and they're down, you see. But you'll weather the storm when you have a revelation understanding what the Word says, because you'll understand it, you'll be rooted in it, you'll know who is backing up, and you'll know uh, that nobody can is stronger than God, and he's on this whole thing. This is what he stands for. So if God be for me, who can be against me? And you'll believe that, you see. And therefore, you'll be ready to fight the whole world. You're not going to back down from anybody because you know you're pleasing God. You're on the winning side. But you have to know the word to have that confidence, you see. I didn't have that confidence when I first got saved. I didn't have that confidence until I grew into it. There's things that we grow into, just like a child in, in normal growth, you know, that we're born, we go to grade school, junior high school, high school, things we learn. But we have to start doing them, you see. That's what I'm trying to bring forth here in this message, not just going and hearing the things and never becoming part of it, taking part in it, applying to our lives and, and uh, working this on our own salvation with fear and trembling, just sitting there, listening to a message, putting our tithe in, going back every Sunday, and really not cracking the Bible during a week at all, just doing our own thing and just spending an hour or two a week maybe an hour on Wednesday at prayer meeting or whatever, but that isn't good. You have to incorporate it into your life because the quicker and the more we incorporate the Word of God into our life, the more meaningful it becomes to us, what we sow into it. The Bible says, and it says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. 
James 4, 7 and 8, Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So that's how we draw near, by getting in his word and prayer, don't we? Okay, let's see where we're at here. Okay, the next thing, Matthew ten twenty eight. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I'm not to fear what man can do to me. Matter of fact, you know, unless God is done with me in the realm of my service and everything, uh, the bottom line is man can't even kill me unless God allows it. And if he does kill me, have no fear because I'm going to heaven, you see. Absent from the body, present with the Lord, you see. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And uh, you can't lose in this thing. To serve, to live Christ, what I do, I live Christ, but to die is gain. Serving the Lord, but to die is gain. So if I do die because of something of people, what have I lost? Nothing. I've gained. I'm going to heaven, you see. Now, many people are afraid of people, not so much just in they're, they're going to physically do something to them, beat them up or kill them, but it's how they can maybe make their life miserable, you see, what they can do. But then again, you ever stop to think that when you put God first and stand up against things, even though the people will be against you, God will be for you. Do you think God is able to do something about that situation and turn it around? You see, they're not going to do anything to you or make anything happen to you unless God permits it, unless he permits it. And you have authority over forces. I'm, I'm not going to get into this now, but over demonic activity and anything, you have authority. But we're just talking basically about you and the fear of men, the fear of people. And recognize that God has all control. He can put you into hell or heaven. And, of course, we, we put ourselves into hell by rejecting Jesus Christ and not living the way we're supposed to live. But he has that authority, you see. He has control over He owns us. He created us, and he owns us. Man has nothing in us. Man has nothing at all in us. We stand before the Lord. Man's not stand beside us. We give account ourselves. Man has no, we can't blame it on man because we did wrong, you see. And what man likes or dislikes in us doesn't mean anything to God because what God sees and says. What man thinks of you and says you are can be the opposite of what God says. If man says you are stupid, you have... You can't do anything. You're never going to amount to anything. But God says, I have a plan for your life, which he does. So therefore, that's a lie right there of the devil. You see, what man thinks to you, what he says to you, doesn't matter. It's what the word of God says to you, you see. And that's why we have to get in that word and know what that word says about us and then make that a part of our lives in spite of what people say or think about us. Don't consider the opinions of people. They're just people, you see. It doesn't matter what they think, because the only thing that really ever counts, which has the one that has control of everything, is God. And what does he saying about you? He says, I love you. He says, I have a plan for your life. I've come that you can have an abundant life. And he said, I've come to uh, give you a home in heaven. He said, I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly. He wants to give that to you. I've come to make your life fruitful. I've come to give you a reason for living, a purpose for living, a life of joy, of peace, of strength, of all things. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, the first verse. He wants to meet your every need and every need. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have joy. He wants to, you to have a, a, a wonderful life. He does. You mean you're not going to have any problems? No. That doesn't mean that. There's going to be challenges that come your way, not really problems, as I said, but I mean challenges. But yet he has promises in that Bible, that word, for everything that comes against you, he has a way out of it, a way to overcome that challenge and be victorious. We are victorious. We are victors, not victims. So many people place Christianity as a victim. We're all down and out. We're all down this. We're this. We're that. That's what the world would try to think. We're just getting beat up from pillar to post. But we're to be victors, not victims. And we become victors by applying the promises of God, the word of God to our life, and believing that word, and letting God lift us out of the, the, the quagmire, out of the ditch, out of the hole, whatever the situation is, whether it's sickness, disease, if we're addicted to something, if we're addicted to pornography, if we're addicted to drugs, alcoholism, whatever it might be, things that have us that are making our lives horrible in life, anything to destroy us, the Bible says in Psalms 107.20, he sent his word to heal us and deliver us from our destruction. The things that come in the life to heal us and deliver us from the things that are out to destroy us. So that's, that's what it is uh, for him. So why in the world should I fear what man can do? Because man can do nothing. If God's in my life, you see, he's protecting me. He's watching over me. He's taking care of me. He can turn things around. Man can have something planned, and God will turn it around, you see. So... Don't consider what man can do. It's just like a, a shirt that I just recently got. My daughter got for me. I wear a lot of times in my programs. But God. See, that's the factor that many people don't consider God. They don't consider God. But God. And that's the way a lot of evil, evil people are. They think, I can keep doing things, be evil. I'm going to take control of these people. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, didn't the uh, Egyptians think out about the Israelites when they had them cornered coming up against them at the Red Sea? They thought, well, we're going to go across. We're going to get them. What happened? Every one of them did drown the sea. You see, <laughs> the devil is always superseded by God. When the enemy comes in, in fact, Isaiah 59:19, I'm going to quote to you. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, God rises to stand up against him. The devil comes in with everything he's got, but God always supersedes him by his power. If we believe that and if we act on that, he always does that. You see, what's negative that comes our way, God will make lemonade out of it. Lemons come at all of us from time to time, but those lemons are either going to make us bitter or better. But the lemonade, the lemons can make us better if we ask God and believe God to turn them around for good. What the devil meant for evil, God means for good, like he did for Joseph. The devil meant for evil with him being thrown in the pit, but God meant for good what happened when he was in, uh, in Egypt as a number two man, didn't he? So you see, God turns things around if, if we put it in his hand. You see, the buck stops at our desk. You see, we have the authority to call the shot according to our will. See, God does not have control of our will. We, have, we are free will agents, but in that will, we give accountability, and we need to make sure that will is given to God that he can do his thing in our lives because he can make the changes for us. But if our will is doing what I want to do or what you want to do, we're just going to mess ourselves up. We're going to mess ourselves up. Things are not going to work right. So we have to learn to turn our will over to 
God just like Jesus did. Remember in Gethsemane, that's where we get the power over our will when he shed blood in Gethsemane. The first place that Jesus shed blood when he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. We give the Lord our will. There's nothing can hurt us. In fact, Romans 8.28 is such a true scripture and what we're talking about now. All things work together for good to those that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. Remember, it's always his purpose, his will, serving him, putting him first. It's all about God being first place in our lives. We we can't uh, claim all these things and make all these things statements if we are one foot in, one foot out, and I'm going to have a foot in the world and another foot in God. No. No, it's full total commitment, you see. He that dwells in the secret place of the place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I must dwell with him. I must reside there, not just visit when I need help. Oh, Lord, I need some money. Lord, help me here. Lord, I must feel I need to heal, Lord. Oh, Lord, will you provide this job for me? Will you, I need a car, Lord, whatever it might be. A lot of times people treat God like Santa Claus, okay? God is not Santa Claus. He's our Heavenly Father. And we must dwell with him and live with him and serve him, you see. It's a fully committed life. If you want to live a haphazard life, I'm the wrong man to listen to because what I'm saying is for those who are interested in serving God, putting him first place and going as far as you can in the Lord as he takes you. Because we can go as far as really there's no limit. God's abundant able to do above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He can go above it. He does go above way beyond what we can think or say. Okay, one more thing here that messes us up, and that's the last thing. That's nine things that I've mentioned right there. Fear of failure. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Fear of failure. I can do all things. What does that tell you there? If I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, why am I fearing failure? If I'm truly following the Lord, I'm not going to fail, am I? God doesn't give us our assignments and has his plan for our life. We all have a plan by God for us. We all have something to do in life. We have a purpose to life. And God has a plan for every man, woman, boy, and girl in the world. Every person has a calling and a plan, whatever that might be. Now, God in that plan does not look at failure. What God calls to you and me to do, he sees success in it. He don't know the word failure. He don't know what that means, you see. God has nothing to do with failure. It's the devil that brings forth failure, and our listening to the devil that causes it to happen, you see. So uh, let me let me explain something to you here. Uh, when I first started out in ministry, certain things that I did and, uh, and understand the word of God and walking the gifts of the Spirit and and learning the word and applying it and holding meetings and things. I learned some things, some things I did wrong, some things I learned and, and be better at it. And I'm always learning because none of us are perfect in what we do. But that's not failure. That's a learning process. What appeared to be a mistake sometimes in my life, I thought it had been a mistake, but actually what it was is something I learned from that mistake, as you want to call it, and I became better at it and I became greater at it, you see. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So his strength, his wisdom, what he can do is made perfect in my weakness. Paul said, I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said that same thing in that verse. He said that very same thing. So he said, I would rather be in 
weakness that his power can uh, rest upon me. And anyhow, that is so true, because if the power of God is on you, there's nothing greater than that. The anointing, the power of God, that's what it's all about. Nothing else matters because of his power is there. It happens, folks. That's what it's all about. So we covered nine things here, what causes you and me not to be a doer, but just a listener and not really hearing it and then putting it into our lives as a doer. The first thing, of course, is for us to be uh, interrupted or interfering our personal gain. Someone would interfere with our personal gain. Another reason, unbelief we talked about. Another reason, our family tradition, our family heritage, whether we're a foreign person from another country, whether it's grandma, granddad, mom or dad, whatever our heritage, our family, our race, or whatever it might be, whatever would be not according to the Word of God. Now, I'm not talking about heritage of people and things that are it, it's, uh, nothing wrong with. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the things in our heritage that go against the Word of God. Anything that goes against the Word of God is wrong, whether it's your heritage or what it is. You don't obey anything or anybody that has you do things contrary to the Word of God. You're always right when you refuse to obey those in a rule or authority who would cause you to break the Word of God and do wrong, you say, or to sin. All right, the next thing, discouragement, lack of understanding on our part. Okay, we don't have, we become discouraged. We have, don't have understanding. We just talked about that right there, which brings discouragement because we don't know what to do. Then, false teaching. We hear false prophets, false teachers. Laziness. We don't get in the word for ourselves. We just want it from other people, what they tell us. We believe what they tell us. We don't know if they're right or wrong, but they must be right. They're a pastor. They're this. They're that. We listen to others too much. Okay? And not look for the truth ourselves. Next thing, rightly, not rightly dividing the word of truth. Next thing, fear of man. Finally, the fear of failure. fact, uh, when it comes to fear, fear is not from God. Fear is from the devil. God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So when fear and doubt come to your mind, know where they're coming from. It says in Second Timothy 1.7 that God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So if you declare, I'd even speak out or shout that out loud, that God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but he gave me power. He gave me love. In a sound mind, when you say that out loud and you mean that determined, you can feel that thing just leaving from you. Fear is from the devil, and you are greater than the devil. You have authority over him, according to Luke ten nineteen and 20. You have authority over him, okay? And therefore, he doesn't have authority over you, so why are you listening to fear? He's a liar. That's a lie. The fear is to try to get you not to do it. Just tell him to shut up, cast him out in the name of Jesus, and go on with what you're doing. But don't leave fear hold you back. It's always negative in that sense, you see. When you know you're to do something, but you have second thoughts and, and things that you know, it's just uh, the fear is holding you back. Recognize where that's coming from. You'll know when it's from God if you're not to do something, but you'll know also when something is trying just to intimidate you from doing it, that, hey, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And that is why we don't do these things. So 
we need to have our guard up about those things and what we hear, what we hear spoken or listen to it, we listen to it like the, somebody teaching and preaching it, then we hear it in our hearts, in our heart, not just in our head. Then in our heart we say, now how can I apply this to my life? This needs to be part of me. How do I do this, Lord? We need to ask the Lord, how do I apply it? And if you mean business there, he'll show you how to put in your life and incorporate his word in your life. Because we're supposed to incorporate everything we hear in there into our life, aren't we? So if you will do that, you'll grow into a spiritual giant. You really will when you obey him. Because there's some people I've seen a year in the faith that make a person 40 years in the faith look bad. Because then how long you've been in something, it's how much of what you've been in is in you, you see. How much do you allow in, you see? How much do you keep open? It's like taking a, a big, we'll say like a, a quart glass, and you could be pouring into that glass, and if that glass had a lid on it, not much would get in there. In fact, nothing would get in, right? But if you have a glass and you pour with the lid off, it's going to get in there. And that's the same with the things of God, you know. If you're not believing and putting them into practice, you're like that, that vessel, that quart glass that has a lid on top, it's being poured out of the pitcher by God, but it can't get into you because you've got to cover it up. You're, one reason or rather, like we talked about here tonight, you're stopping it, you see. But somebody has that lid off and takes it to heart and says, Lord, help me to put it in my life. It's going to be filled, and you're going to grow leaps and bounds. That's why there's a lot of young people uh, you see growing really leaps and bounds. They're amazing because they've taken the word and applied it in their lives. And it's amazing how fast people grow when they do that. But uh, it's sad when you see people not doing that because they just are the same after many years. Okay, well, that's everything I have for tonight. But I'm going to say prayer, and I want to invite you all back next week here, uh, next uh, Tuesday at 7 o'clock. I have another powerful message that God wants to bring forth to you all. And uh, I want to pray for you right now. And uh, then I'm going to sign off here, and then I want you just to think about what was uh, said here and even re-listen to it. You can look at it and uh, after a while when you go to uh, the site on the on-demand section. Listen to it, pray about it, look up the scriptures, and how does this apply to me? How can I be a hearer and a doer, not just somebody that listens to it and doesn't really hear it in their heart and doesn't really care they apply it to their lives, you see. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you, Father, as you spoke to each and every one of us here, Father. We know that it's for each and every one of us, Father. It's not just for the listeners, but it's for me. It's for everybody that hears it, Father. It's for every man, woman, boy, and girl. I would just pray tonight, those that have heard this word, would do their part and draw near to you, just like it says in the book of James. Submit yourself to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from it. Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Lord, that they would draw near to you, each one of us, Father, because we know as we draw near, then you draw near, Father. But I know that the ball is in our court, and in our court to draw near. So right now I would pray that every listener right now would commit themselves to you, draw near to you, and you would meet them right where they're at, whatever level, whatever their circumstances, whatever their situation is, just meet them where they are at, that they would know that you are there, and all is well, and all will be well, Father. Because when they meet you, they're there. You tell them it in your word, in Psalms 46, 1, that you're a very present help of time of need and time of trouble. And you will meet them where they're at, and you will help them. 
if they just yield themselves to you. So I just pray, God, that you move on the hearts of everyone here, and each one would come into that relationship with you. And, Father, we just praise you and thank you that you're doing that, and you're moving on hearts right now. These things I'm praying right now, you're moving on hearts. And I just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. I want you to uh, testify anything tonight. You can write into uh, Reaching Out Radio International or to me, I'm Extended Hands of Jesus at Yahoo.com. That's extended, that's all short casing, low casing, extended, E X T E N D E D, hands, H A N D S, of O F, Jesus, J E S U S, at Yahoo.com. And bring your, your request, your testimonies, anything that you have to say, your comments or whatever. I welcome your words because. We're here speaking to a microphone or a telephone, and uh, we don't see your faces. We don't hear unless we hear something that you write down or something that you send to us. So I would ask you that you would notify uh, us here what happened here in the program tonight and just let us know your testimony because we are to testify of what God does in our lives. He's pleased with that. Matter of fact, he tells us the 105th Psalm, make known my deeds to the people. He says, make known my deeds because you'll be encouraged others to come to the Lord to also because they'll say, well, hey, he worked for that man or that woman, so I'm going to do that too. And you don't know what might happen to your testimony. You might reach a lot of people just in one testimony you give of what God done in your life. So please, I encourage you to give your testimony, your prayer request, whatever it is. But please contact me at extendhandsofjesus at yahoo.com or there's comment section on your, if you're on the computer, down there you can put comments under the program or however you know to get a hold of us but please don't be silent because we need to be vocal in these last days okay i love you all we will see you next week you all have a blessed week now okay good night everybody